Hello, welcome back to Sermon Notes. Uh, Garland here, and I've got Clark Nolan, our fearless, fearless, one and only congregational leader of Fellowship Fayetteville. So excited to dive into a new series with all of y'all. We've come off our Mission Vision series. Um, it's now Labor Day's behind us. The football season has begun, and we're looking forward uh, from now until Thanksgiving looking at uh, a- another New Testament letter. We've spent the summer, obviously, looking at First Peter. Uh, now we transition over to uh, the words of the Apostle Paul in what, for many people, I know for me for years, this was one of my favorite places to go just over and over and over again, um, the book of or the letter to the Philippians. We call it the book of, but it's really the letter that Paul wrote to a uh, a church in what is in modern day uh, northern Greece, used to be ancient Macedonia, to the city of Philippi. So, Clark, you'll be walking us through the intro of this book, getting our arms around it. Um, so, yeah, help us out. What's going on? How do we make sense of this? Where are we going? And, yeah, uh, what do you want us to know about uh, Philippians? Well, Garland, I think it'd be good to start in Acts uh, 16. Um, a lot of most of Paul's letters are back to churches that he planted on one of his three journeys. And, uh, and so Philippi, um, we get a glimpse into that in really 16, beginning in verse 11 or so. And we're introduced to a, a variety of different snapshots as he engages the gospel with people. And he meets a slave girl. He meets Lydia. Um, he meets the Philippian jailer. And they come face-to-face with gospel power. And the gospel begins to do a, a transformative work in what um, at the time would have been, from what we know of Europe, uh, the first church plant in Europe. That's right. And so, which is pretty cool. The gospel had moved north up to Antioch out of Jerusalem and began to make its way west. And um, this is one of, our, uh, one of those church plants. And so... Um, that's what's happening in Philippi. Philippi, um, you know, just a few background things I think is helpful for folks to know. Um, the, the city was actually named after the father of Alexander the Great. Mm-hmm. Philip of Macedon. Philip, yep, Philip II. And, um, and it, this was a, it was a key, um, I guess, crossroads, if you will, or yeah, a main thoroughfare known for gold mines. Um, they were uh, known for their, um, their access to fresh water. And um, it's, I don't, you can think of a play on words when you think of Lydia Stream and, and just the springs of water of life right. being brought to her family. Um, and then as it relates to Rome and what was going on there, it had become somewhat of an old, um, kind of a city where veteran military um, figures from Rome would retire to. And it's not a big area, but it did sit up kind of on a hill. And so one of the great battles took there that um, pivoted Rome in, I believe it was uh, B.C., 40, 42 B.C. And uh, so that happened in Philippi, and um, Philippi um, became a place where um, Paul thought it was strategic for him as he be- began to plant um, the gospel flag all across the Gentile world. And so just a little bit of background work there. And what's interesting, I think, as we get into Philippians, and as he's writing, writing this letter back, Garland, is if you consider a Lydia, you consider the slave girl, you consider the Philippian jailer, and as they came face-to-face with the gospel in Acts 16 there, um, there's a, it, the gospel's pushing into places um, 
that, that it hadn't pushed into before. And it's pushing into the margins. Um, it's, it, the gospel is beginning to take root and elevate um, God's appreciation as he brings dignity to women in their culture. Um, it's also an affront um, to Rome, in a sense, that a, that a Roman jailer, a Philippian jailer, uh, would come to Christ. And so you begin to see it invade the spaces where darkness had once reigned. Yeah. And so I think that's intriguing to me. Yeah. And so it's taken on um, kind of this new Gentile flavor, if you will. Um, the letter itself um, is probably one of Paul's most encouraging letters uh, in terms of there's very little rebuke, if you will, or correction. Um, you can get the sense in chapter 2, 1 through 4, that he is having to deal with a little bit of maybe um, arrogance would be too strong of a word, but just maybe some selfishness. He's having to encourage them in the way of humility and then pointing them to Jesus there. Um, a little bit of warning against um, um, some false gospel, and he asserts the true gospel in his own life um, in chapter 3. And so um, those would be some just initial thoughts yeah. just from a backdrop perspective. Yeah, I always like to think of the book of, uh, uh, of the Philippian letter as, um, you know, let's get our, our date. So Paul, he goes out on his first journeys in 47 to 49. If you are, you know, listening to this and you spend any time kind of just trying to learn your New Testament, how the thing works, what are the dates, 49 is a key date. 49 AD, 49 AD, that's the Jerusalem Council. Acts 15, 49 AD. And so um, at, at the Jerusalem Council, the... Uh, the, the leaders come together and decide that Gentiles are able to be a part of the covenant community without adopting Torah observance. It's a really big deal in the New Testament. In fact, a lot of Paul's letters deal with this very issue. And upon leaving the Jerusalem Council, short t- shortly after, he goes back out to visit some of his churches. And then he gets, uh, we would say his, his plans are changed, but really the Spirit leads him yeah. over to the city of Philippi over into Europe. And so when I think of, 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 the, of this particular part of Paul's journey, um, it's in the early 50s AD, and he's going into a Roman of all Roman cities. This is a place where there's not even enough Jews to have a synagogue. Normally, his, his pattern is to go mm-hmm. in and visit in the synagogue and talk with people, at least have a common worldview and scripture. But here, he has to go out to a, the, the riverside because there's not enough men. It takes 10 Jewish families, essentially, to make a synagogue in a city. There's no welcome uh, mat for him here. There's no shared... Um, worldview space. This is a city that is loyal to Caesar and loyal to Rome. And so to have a church here, to have a church trying to make it in this city is a really, really difficult thing. And then, as you're right to point out, like looking at some of the the, the broad strokes of the letter, I also find it so fascinating. In chapter four, he actually names two women, Euodia and Synthike, are having some disagreement. He says, I urge these two to get along. Yeah. And what that instructs us to see is Philippi probably had ten to 15,000 people in it, maybe not even that many. Um, the church that we're talking about is so small, maybe even a few dozen, in this really hard city that when he's talking about unity and selfishness and, the, and what it looks like to fight for Christ-centered living, that's actually being worked out in a community that's so small he can name the two that are causing the problem. Yeah. I mean, imagine the letter being read in the house church or in the, they're, like, the they're small like, group. They, they're yeah. likely present yeah, reading like, in front hey, of each Clark other. Hey, Clark and Garland, 
stop bickering and get along. We can't show that Jesus wins over the nations and unites the nations if you two can't get yeah. along. And so, but to even think of the room, if you if you do have um, a redeemed slave girl, say she has yeah. come to Christ, uh, next to this Philippian jailer who's now his family's understood the gospel as well. And you've got this wealthy, wealthy, maybe hosting it in her house, hosting Lydia's house. There's a problem collision (laughs) of demographics, socioeconomic of culture. They might be from three different continents. We don't know where the girl's from. That's right. He's a jailer. He's probably a Roman. And then Thyatira is in modern day. What we like, we call modern day Turkey. So different, maybe three continents, three socioeconomic spheres. And so you can, we have to, it's helpful to, to, to start here with some of this overview stuff because we got to drop into that city, that yeah. room, that church. Um, you know, I think it's easy for us to read stuff like this and just assume, oh, yeah, this is written to me in modern-day America. And putting some skin on this situation, I think, helps us understand why then, and I'm going to tee you up for this, this is a very personal letter. Um, you know, sometimes in Romans, Paul, you can tell, is giving a magnum opus. Like, he's really set down, and you can, this thing is a sweeping panoramic view. But in this, we get a huge amount of first-person verbs, first-person account. Um, it's really personal. He really cares about this church, and you're going to have that in your first section here. So walk us through this first yeah. little bit. Where are you going uh, with the first 11 verses? Well, I think it's also instructive to think that what even what was going on as as he helped lead some of these to Christ, when you consider the Philippian jailer and what was going on while Paul was in prison. And um, a lot of this, the church and how it was birthed was out of Paul's own circumstance of suffering. And in that, he saw opportunity for the gospel. And so that the circumstance and the gospel in your circumstance seems to permeate um, just the way he writes here. And so as we consider these first 11 verses uh, this week, um, he starts out just with a, there's some themes that pop off the page, the idea of joy, um, the, the idea of prayer, um, and this, this idea of his desire to see this, um, this church mature in their faith. And so those seem to be things that, that pop off the page. We see here, I mean, he even reminds them, he says here, his identity with Timothy, as writers, they're servants of Christ Jesus, so that's his posture. He's writing to God's holy people, those who are set apart in Christ Jesus at Philippi. He notes their church leadership, overseers and deacons. And then he begins this, this prayer of gratitude. And it's interesting because our theme that um, even your study guides will note is this idea of partnership in the gospel. And so the weight and what brings them together in his suffering for the gospel and in his desire to see them grow in their faith, it's this shared partnership. Um, he sees them as with him in this. And they've been very generous to him and to some of his traveling mates as they've shared the gospel in different places. And so that's one of the themes you'll see is the generosity of that church to come alongside of them. They're sacrificing for the gospel just as he is to help them mature. And then I, probably the most fascinating thing for me is because I think of Paul as a man of grit. We've, we've joked he's a man of grit and grace. Right. But um, he's a man on the front lines sowing the gospel where it's not been sown before. But this is listen to the language he uses here in verse 7 and verse 8. I have you in my heart. And then he says, you share in God's grace with me. 
And then he says, God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And there's something that the gospel does in someone's heart when it binds you together um, with those who have sacrificed with you and for you. And there's an affection that is transformed here. And I like to call this gospel affection. And um, that's what the gospel does is it, it gets a hold of the heart. And so there's this, uh, there's something intimate about how he sees his relationship with this church that um, just from a tone is different from a lot of his other letters. It definitely, it definitely sounds different than first and second Corinthians. Mm-hmm. Um, it may not feel as doctrinal as say in Ephesians would uh, or doxological in that sense it's just really warm, mm-hmm. and um, it's very pastoral, very shepherding. Um, the themes in it, um, he deals with contentment, uh, generosity, um, self-righteousness, humility. It peaks. I mean, you could make a case it does in chapter 2. It feels like a New Testament peak mm-hmm. um, in verses 1 to 11 where you get that, that hymn, mm-hmm. the focus on Jesus, and so those are, that's kind of the tone. And then, and then he drifts into a prayer in verse 9 and um, just wanting them to grow in love, wanting them to be holy and blameless and uh, all to the glory of God. And so that's, that's a little bit about what we're going to get into this week. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting as you're even sharing all that. And I guess we need to say here in our intro, you know, all of that, all of that affection, all of that, you know, care for them and concern for them and friendship and uh, intimacy and the gospel. He's writing this from prison. Uh, we, we probably need to make sure that's clear. Yeah. So he has uh, planted this church on a second missionary journey, probably in the early fifties. And um, as he continues to travel, he makes his way down uh, uh, the eastern shore of Greece and spends some time in uh, Corinth. And he makes his way back over to Jerusalem. Around uh, at some point in there, he gets arrested. And so there's a couple different options. Most scholars think that he's writing this. After his arrest in Jerusalem, he spends a year in Caesarea by the sea in, uh, uh, we might call it kind of a house arrest there. Then he's shipped off to Rome. He has a shipwreck along the way, mm-hmm. but he's sharing the gospel on the island he lands on, Malta. And he finally gets to Rome. And, and you know, some church tradition has Paul spending upwards of two years there in somewhat of a house arrest uh, in Rome as he's waiting for his appeal to Caesar. And uh, it is from there, most at least think, that he's writing this letter to this church. So just think of his... It's not like he's on vacation. Um, he, he's he's writing this from prison. The circumstances are dark. He may not survive it. He's not quite certain. In fact, you can see that in chapter one. If I live on, uh, great. It'll mean fruitful labor. But if I die, it's going to be with Christ. It's, he's got an uncertain future. Mm. And yet, it's a letter filled with joy, filled with love, filled with this deep devotion to this ragtag church, you know, uh, several provinces away. And man, as we start a semester of small group, if you're a small group leader out there and you're beginning a semester, let's just state it, I guess. It can be tough. There can be moments when it's not rewarding. Uh, You have your own circumstances that you're dealing with. But gospel friendship, he'll call it partnership. The Greek word is koinonia, fellowship. Mm -hmm. We literally, our church is named after this word, and it's all over this letter, your friendship with me from the first day until now. And so as we step into a semester, uh, maybe Philippians can drive us to be the kind of community, the kind of people in our neighborhood and city that look like chapter 2, 1 to 11, 
that say, yeah, man, we really do long for you with the affection of Christ. Mm. And here's my prayer for you that your love would abound more and more. Um, we'd have this kind of koinonia fellowship as Fellowship Fayetteville. I mean, that yeah. might be our prayer as we dive in um, to this letter. Anything else just you want our leaders to know as we sort of uh, orient to the book? And obviously we'll do a deeper dive with each section as we go. Yeah, depending on when our leaders or even if you're having your first small group um, this week when you listen to this, go ahead and read uh, Acts 16, um, 11 to 40 to kind of get a backdrop for what's going on um, when this church was planted and Paul's labor there because his circumstance there is very much like his circumstance um, when he was writing this as well. And so um, if some form of the word joy, joy or rejoice is used, I think around 16 times here in this letter, and you consider his circumstance, I feel like Garland, um, from a devotional perspective, as we move forward this, this fall and this study together as a church, is we're going to be forced in our circumstances to find deep, authentic joy. And I've been joking with the guys that I'm in small group with that we're going to be fighting for joy together mm-hmm. and the things that matter, yeah. things of weighty um, importance. And here he finds that his joy um, in Christ, but in gospel partnership. In some ways, um, these this is, this is his reward this side of heaven, if you this will. This is what really matters. Yeah. yeah. It's what he cares about. This is where the action is. And... Um, and you know, as I get older, and it, whether it be with my family or deep friendships, um, my favorite moments that make me the most joyful are when I'm with people that matter to me. Like me. Like you. Like <laughs> all we've sacrificed You together. love that I pull you yeah. into this podcast oh, yeah. every other week and oh, force you to goodness. talk on record like Good this. Night. It's your favorite this be the thing. last one they listen You're to. You're fighting for joy right now <laughs> as I look at you. Garland, I have you in my heart. <laughs> I long for you with the affection that's in Christ Jesus. <laughs> now, we're somewhat joking. Obviously, we're, we're currently but joking it is, a lot, it, but that's kind of what it, it is. is what this brings is, us together. Yeah, this is what Philippians should do is we should kind of read it with a laugh toward even really bad circumstances because look what we have. Um, yeah. And so may, maybe that should be our flavor, uh, kind of our posture as we go through this letter uh, this fall. Yeah, so. and Garland, there will be circumstances um, that we each go through um, for some of those listening, it's going to be a health situation. For some of you, it's going to be a family situation you find yourself in. For some of you that are listening, it's going to be a an economic situation or a situation with your finances. Um, and for s- some of you, you find yourself just in a new season of life. And it's a circumstance that you've never faced before and you find yourself alone. And so I, we would just invite you in to the joy that Paul experienced that he found in Jesus and in fellowship with one another. It's going to be a good semester. Looking forward to it. As always, thanks for joining us on Sermon Notes.